right. All right, we are continuing our Bible study here. They call it home, and this is week number 11 as we have gone through this series here, and I'm not quite sure how long I'm going to go. I've got uh, 19 lessons. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go through all of them or not. Uh, tonight is the second part of last week's, uh, and so we looked at the, the perfect marriage and we saw as we looked at the perfect marriage uh, that there is no such thing as a perfect marriage because there are no perfect wives. <laughs> and we'll just leave it there. Uh, but uh, there, there are no perfect people, and so there are no perfect marriages. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's a little obvious. We know that. Yes, we know it, but we don't really grab onto it. We know, we know our home is not going to be perfect. We know our spouse is not going to be perfect. We know we're not going to be perfect. But there's this underlying expectation that everybody's going to do right all the time. And if they don't do right all the time, they knew better. And what's wrong with them? Why didn't they do it? Why didn't they do what they were supposed to do? Anybody else look at things like that besides me? And so with that then, we have this acknowledging that people are not perfect, but the expectation that they will be. And when you have unfulfilled expectations, you are setting yourself up for failure in relationships. And whether it's with our children, whether it's with a spouse, but here we're looking at uh, marriage. First Peter chapter 3, we find a lot, of, uh, a lot of little key things about the marriage relationship and uh, the wives and then uh, the husbands. And so the Lord goes through, and we're going to go ahead and read this passage again. First Peter 3 and verse 1, "...likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands." That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, ladies, think about this right here. We have seen this uh, in ministry over the years, how a godly wife will be faithful and serve, and God will continue to use her conversation, her life, to be a witness to him to get him in church. And we've seen it over and over and over again. And with that, uh, we, we really have to just embrace and trust that God is true. God's word is true. And uh, it doesn't, it's not a promise that every lost uh, husband would get saved, but there is a promise, there is a hope given to the wife uh, that her conversation, her life, her godly living uh, can make a difference and have an impact on the salvation of her husband. Verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, so they watch then them. And that chaste conversation, he goes on and gives some explanation in verse 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning, of plating the hair and, and wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, 
but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Miss Sarah, did you hear that? And uh, all right, just just curious. <laughs> and so she'll walk into the office and she'll say, Pastor, did you know I was here? Yes, everybody, Sarah, knows that you're here. Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, uh, we have uh, this, this uh, uh, information here, and he talks about the, the outward apparel and the outward adorning. And he is not saying that the ladies cannot adorn themselves to be fashionable. He is just saying that the most beautiful part of you should be your, your spirit, your attitude, uh, your heart and uh, the grace of God in your life. And, and so uh, that uh, uh, the inner uh, man, the hidden uh, man of the heart. Verse 5, for after this, the manner, uh, for after this manner in, old, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God or uh, adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, uh, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Uh, notice here, men, the uh, Lord talks about uh, our, our relationship with our wife and that relationship having direct correlation with our prayers being answered. He goes on, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that you are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile, let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. And so here on the lady's side, we see that, uh, that meek and quiet spirit, uh, the adorning uh, of uh, the outward uh, and the uh, adorning of the heart. And then with the uh, likewise, similarly, there are things that were directed towards uh, the men. And he said that we are to dwell with, uh, that is to reside with as a family unit and so to dwell with and then he says according to now that according to is relative to or pertaining to according to knowledge pertaining to knowledge and then he says uh that we are to give honor uh giving honor unto the wife so the man is the man is to give honor unto uh the wife now that honor there is the word valuable it is uh it is a the same t term that would be money paid for uh there is great price that is here uh the esteem to the highest degree uh dignity uh and honor precious and then he says as uh, uh as unto the weaker vessel now uh with that he didn't say as unto a weak vessel 
We've got some strong ladies. Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad we have strong ladies. And with that, uh, here you have as unto the weaker vessel. Uh, and so it's in comparison to the strength of the man. Uh, but, but he uses a term vessel. That term vessel is literally the term implement. Implement. Now, when you, when you think about that as unto the weaker vessel, as unto the weaker implement, I think about, I think about the, uh, the scenario of farming. And with that, you can have a tractor that has all the horsepower in the world, but if you don't, if you don't have the implements to go along with it, all you can do is drive around in circles. You want to get anything accomplished, you have to get those implements and they have to work together to get something done. You know, men, men, God has given us the strength, but if he has given you a wife, he has given you he has given you a partner. He has given you one that is going to help you uh, accomplish something. And without her help, you're not going to accomplish anything. You might just spin around in some circles. And so uh, the wife is the, the weaker vessel there. Equipment, apparatus, uh, implement is the, the literal word there. And so uh, specifically, the wife is the contributor to the usefulness uh, of the husband, uh, of what can be accomplished. He talks about the grace here. Uh, so I'm just going to break down some of these words here and we'll get into the message. Uh, but the grace, uh, the grace here uh, that uh, we are to show, uh, he says that, uh, uh, that being heirs together of the grace of life, that manner or act of graciousness. So in this relationship, in this marriage relationship, there is to be graciousness. And men, this is on the side he is talking to you about towards your wife, and there should be a graciousness uh, that, is, that is given uh, towards her. And then he says, uh, of the grace of life. Uh, and that word life there is, is literally talking about lifetime. It's, it, is, it is talking about the longevity, the life as a whole unit, uh, that you can be heirs together of the grace of life. So uh, that relationship is to be a lifetime relationship. And so here he goes on and he says that uh, our prayers be not hindered. Uh, hindered is frustrated, uh, cut hewn down uh, to hinder. He tells us that we are to be of, uh, we, of one mind. That means like-minded. So husbands and wife, we have to work towards being like-minded, uh, having that uh, being harmonious in our relationship. The longer that you're married, the more you should think alike. 
There should be that understanding uh, to where you have, uh, you guys are, you are, you know what the other person uh, is uh, thinking and going to do. Uh, we're not mind readers, of course, but there should be that developing of that relationship to where you, you have a good idea of what your, your spouse is going to think or would, would want. So being uh, like-minded, uh, compassion, that having sympathetic feelings and uh, mutually uh, 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 commiserative. Uh, and so uh, just being uh, compassionate. He says to love as brethren. Now, that one sort of bothered me for quite a while. It was just a, a different mindset there. But there should be a love within the family unit that, that is just a natural care uh, that has nothing to do with what I am going to get uh, from the other person. And that family, you love family because they're family. And so that loving as brethren, just that, uh, just a natural, uh, holy love there. And then he says, pitiful, uh, that uh, we should be well-compassioned, sympathetic, uh, tender-hearted. He says to be courteous, uh, that's friendly of mind, being kind, and then rendering uh, that uh, uh, that we. Uh, do not render evil for evil. So, uh, so that rendering to give way to, to pay, to recompense, restore, or reward. Uh, so we're not to give uh, way evil to evil. And then uh, that evil there is talking about what that which is intrinsically depraved. And so uh, we're talking about just a depth of sin. So we are not to render evil for evil, wrong for wrong, injury for injury, harm for harm. Railing then is that slander, that speech. And with that, the relationship, husband and wife, there should not be that yelling. Uh, there should not be that railing, that attack, uh, accusative uh, conversations. And so he goes through and he gives us all this information. Uh, and then verse number nine, he says, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrary wise, blessing. And that's what we want in the relationship of marriage is blessing. He says, knowing that you're there and too called and that you should inherit a blessing. You know, you and I are called within the marriage relationship to be blessed. There's a blessing that God has for us and we should be the recipients of it. But not everybody is. And not everybody experiences that. And so uh, that blessing there. And then he tells them to dwell together in unity, that residing together. Now, uh, here as we're going to look at this, I've got uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch more of the uh, the uh, uh, the definitions here, but for time's sake, I'm not going to go to them. Uh, but we're going to look at tonight just the perfect marriage. The perfect marriage. This is number eleven. Uh, Father, thank you for your goodness. Help us, Lord, as we study your word. I pray that it would be profitable. 
uh, help us to, to grow, help our homes to be what they need to be. And not just to be a place where uh, we can reside, but help our home to be the place that you have designed it to be. Help the relationships within the home uh, to be what you would want them to be. And so help us tonight, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so here as we look at this, I want to uh, stop at this blessing here. He said that, uh, uh, he says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for e- uh, railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called. So uh, that word blessing there is the word eulogeo. It's the same word that we get the eulogy from. So when somebody dies and they have a eulogy, you will have somebody give up, get up, and they will, they will tell all the good things about the person who has passed. Have you ever sat through one of those eulogies and thought, that person did not know the person that has died? Or they only wrote down the good things and, and they really stretched it. Because that person did not live up to what was being said. Now, here the eulogy, uh, that blessing, uh, it's that, that uh, to write something good about someone. Uh, and that blessing uh, that we are to have, he said that uh, we are to be able, knowing that we are there and to call, that we should inherit that blessing. Uh, that blessing that has been written, that blessing that has been given, that blessing that has been assigned. And so uh, to give praise, uh, to invoke blessings upon. And God has blessings for us uh, in our homes and in our marriage. And, and that's what he wants us to have. He said that he that will uh, love life and see good days. He gives him uh, the uh, instruction there. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Let his lips uh, that they let him uh, uh, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. And so uh, here, there's just so many things that are are listed here about this marriage relationship, about the attitude and actions of the wife about the attitude and the actions of the husband and so uh, these are very important Uh, in the passage of scripture here no less than 15 times the tongue is referred to the tongue isn't it isn't it amazing that the lord kept bringing that out about what we say. Did you ever, my mom always would tell me, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. All right. And those were, those were things that I would get in trouble for often. Uh, but you know what? If we would hold our tongue, we would have a lot less arguments in our home. If we would watch what we are going to say, we would think through what we say. Before we say it, that relationship uh, would be helped. And, and so many of the problems that we have in our homes are due to our words and how we treat one another. Uh, so let's go here quickly. Uh, go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. 
And we'll look at a few verses, and I'll give you a few more uh, thoughts here, and then we'll let you go. All right, so uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 19. Uh, the Bible says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is, what? He that refraineth his lips is wise. I don't know about you, but I want to be wise. So that means I've got to guard what I say. I've got to hold back the things that I, I, would, I would want to say. It's foolish to say everything you think. Foolish. And if, and if everything that we think comes out of our mouth, we're going to be in trouble. And especially within the, the relationships in the home and the relationship of marriage. And so uh, here we got to guard our heart. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 6 and 7. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was uh, that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. Uh, so uh, we, we look at this and uh, just the admonition about guarding our tongues and uh, the relationship uh, that we should have. God wants us to have a good relationship. L going through 1 Peter 3 and learning and understanding what some of those words mean, how they apply to us, it will help our marriage. Uh, but how can uh, we have a good marriage? We can't have a perfect marriage, but we can have a good marriage. Go to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. When you look at uh, when you look at something, you want to go back to the law of first mention. Uh, go back to where it was originally uh, designed, and you can see uh, you can see how uh, it was in it was originally uh, planned. Uh, so Genesis chapter two and verse number eighteen, and the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him out of the ground." The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to, all the, and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and Adam uh, fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And so here we have the original home. You have Adam who was uh, the first man that was, uh, was created. And there was God created Adam to communicate 
with God. There was a relationship with God. Uh, but not only did Adam have a purpose of communicating and worshiping God, he also had a purpose uh, of taking care of the garden. He was, he was given that, uh, that job before the, uh, before the fall of man. Work was not the curse. Work is not a curse. Now, the, by the sweat of his brow, he, the earth was going to bring forth her fruit. So the earth was not going to be as plenteous as it was without the labor uh, of his hands. But work was not a curse. It, that wasn't what God had given. He had already given man a job to do. And work is a good thing. And we need to, not only do we need to work, we need to teach our kids how to work and making sure that they can. So we see here Adam, and he was, he was the first man, and then you see how God made Eve. And now God has taken Eve, and Adam was not made for the woman, but the woman was made for the man. And so here now you have you have the two individuals that God has brought together. We have this 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 new institution of marriage, of a home, and it was in, instituted by God. It was uh, made by God. It was uh, created by God. And so God is the one who identifies what it is. And it is man and woman and that institution of the family and then children to follow, and that's God's plan, and that hasn't changed. That's still what God's plan is. So when we look at perfect marriage, uh, what are some things that we can see? Number one, we have to realize that marriage is a spiritual relationship. Marriage is a spiritual relationship. It was a relationship that God instituted. It wasn't an institution that man created. It was an institution that God created. And so, so with that, marriage is a spiritual relationship. That tells me that a marriage cannot be the marriage that it was designed to be without God being a part of that home, without God being a part of that marriage. It is important that God is the center focal point of the home. So realize that marriage is a spiritual relationship. When we leave God out, sin comes in. Let me say that again. When we leave God out, sin comes in. Sin will destroy anything that it touches. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So sin will kill whatever it touches. We let sin into our marriage, and it will destroy our marriage. We let sin into our home, it will destroy our home. Uh, we let sin into our own morals of our mind, and it will destroy us. Uh, sin will destroy, and so marriage is a spiritual relationship. We need God to be involved in our marriage. Husbands, wives, how much, how much place does God have in your home? I'm not talking about how much spiritual activity we have. I'm talking about how much of spiritual thought, how, how much spiritual conversation goes on in our home. 
Church isn't the spiritual place. Church should just be reinforcing what's already going on. The home was designed before the church was given. So the church or the the home should already be a spiritual place. And it can't be spiritual just because you have have good, holy, uh, uh, moral activity. It's spiritual because God's involved. Praying together. Talking about what we get out of our Bible. Things that we need the Lord to do. Asking, just just having a conversation where God's just part of our home. It's just a natural falling out. It should just just come out. So realize marriage is a spiritual relationship. Number two, realize that marriage is a death-to-us-part relationship. There's no out. Now, as I say that, I'm talking to people where there, there, there is a past and we can't change anything about the past. And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad about what has been in the past. I'm just saying that God's intent for marriage is till death to us part. And if you're married, it's till death to us part. Brother Hiles preached a message uh, years ago, and he was talking about marriage. And after he preached the message, there were people that came up to him and went home, told their spouse, oh yeah, I messed up. I shouldn't have married you. I should have married this person over here. (laughs) He got up the next week and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're married, you're married. Uh, it's, It's till death do us part. That, that is, that is uh, that we have to look at it that way. Uh, we, we don't look at it and say, well, you know, I, I made a mistake. Well, you made a mistake, you're married. Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I saw them making eye contact there, just uh, teasing back and forth there. Uh, but uh, marriage is a death to us part, a relationship. God is the one that instituted marriage, and marriage is uh, the, a lifelong relationship. Uh, it's a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. We go back to the the marriage vows, till death do us part. You know, as we we look at that, uh, divorce should never be in the conversation. It it should not be thrown out. That is such a dangerous road. It's such a dangerous uh, thing. Uh, Divorce is not an option. It should not be uh, discussed. It should not be threatened. Uh, Divorce is a, uh, it's a dirty word. It's not a, it's not a spiritual word. And I'm not saying that there aren't times where uh, relationships are severed and uh, there are outs in Scripture. Uh, but God's plan, even when there's infidelity, God goes on and says that he gave the writing of divorcement for, because of the hardness of their hearts. 
even in the worst situations, it was still that God's plan was forgiveness and that that relationship would continue. So realize that marriage is a death to us part of relationship. Thirdly, realize relationships have ups and downs. Relationships have ups and downs. Hey, pastor, we all know that. If you counseled as many people as I counsel, and as many problems as we see, the amount of problems that come into a marriage, so many of them could be solved very easily if we just understand there's ups and downs. So since there's ups and downs, let me encourage you, it's going to get worse. But it'll also get better. Every marriage has ups and downs. Those that say, well, our marriage has just been like this. Okay. At some point, it's going to stall. And you've got to work through it. Deb and I have been married 36, all right? 36 years. And with that, there have been ups and downs. She's been the up and I have been the down. But there have been ups and downs. There have been some hard times. There's been financial pressures. There have been family pressures. There have been work pressures. Life brings problems. And those problems come into relationships. And with that, realizing and understanding that there are ups and downs, and we know that, then we can get through it. So, so we've, we've got to prepare We've got to prepare for better and for worse. For richer and for poorer. So those are just part of those, those vows. So practical applications, practical application. You become who you are supposed to be. In those ups and downs... You become who you are supposed to be. You cannot change your spouse. You can't change them. He's tried. Didn't work. <laughs> you can't change your spouse. You become who you are supposed to be. And when you and I become who we are supposed to be, then we can be that part of the relationship that can help our spouse. But as soon as we start focusing on the, the failures of our spouse or the weaknesses of our spouse, now we are looking at the negative in them instead of the negative in us. 
And if I can work on who I am supposed to be, then I am better equipped to be who she needs me to be. And vice versa. So we've got to work on that in our own life. So you cannot change him. You cannot change her. If you're supposed, you are to be who you're supposed to be, then you will do what you are supposed to do. And if you will do what you're supposed to do, you remove so so much of the problems within the relationship of marriage. Just be who you're supposed to be. So here, when we look at that, uh, wives, verse number one through verse number uh, six, uh, it was all on the wives. Likewise, ye wives. And he gives a whole uh, direction here of things about the wife. You get into verse number seven through 11. Likewise, ye husbands. And he gives instruction about the husband. So when we are working on our area of who we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to do, then we are adding value to that relationship. And we can't have a perfect marriage, but we can have a great marriage, a good home. And that's what God wants us to have. So so when we look at a perfect marriage, there's no such thing. But there are some great marriages. And none of those great marriages just came together without work. It, It took time. And it took effort for it to be what it's supposed to be. And as we work through the problems in life, uh, we think about uh, just the admonition of Scripture about getting counsel. Uh, and wives, yeah, ladies, you, you have struggled with your, your husband. Look around some of these uh, white-haired ladies that are around here. They have experience. They can help you. They can, they can give you that in that insight, some counsel. Uh, you guys that are that, uh, in marriage, uh, don't go to a peer. Don't go to somebody that's within a couple years of your age and ask them for their, their great amount of wisdom. No, go to, go to somebody that has that experience and get counsel. It'll help your home. So when you think about this in 1 Peter 3, so much, so much instruction about the marriage and about the home and husbands and wives. Uh, but with this instruction, each individual has to embrace the, the guidelines, the instruction that God has given. And when we do so, then it will help us be the person that we need to be. In counseling, I always uh, draw a triangle. And in that triangle, in, in life, you have, uh, you have man on one side, you have woman on the other side. And the world says that if you are going to have a good relationship, that you need to uh, spend time and just work on getting closer together. And that that will help your marriage be strong. And that is not a biblical worldview. Because you leave out the most important person in that relationship, and that's God. See, we go back to that first point. Marriage is a spiritual relationship. 
And so when the husband decides that he is going to get closer to God and to be the person that God wants him to be, and the wife decides that she is going to get closer to God and be the person that she is supposed to be, as each of them are getting closer to God, they are getting closer to each other. And that relationship can be what it needs to be. We can't leave God out and have a good home. We need the Lord. We need him. Uh, the Bible says, without me ye can do nothing. Nothing. That doesn't mean you can't do anything great. We can't do anything. God is the one that gives us the air. He gives us the life. He gives us the opportunity. But he also gives us the guidelines, the instruction. And when we follow what he gives us, we are able to grow, to be who he wants us to be. And our marriage can be what he has designed it to be. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for uh, just these simple truths tonight. I pray that you'd help our homes to be what they need to be. Uh, help us, uh, each man, each woman, uh, Lord, to draw closer to you, uh, to be that person that you'd want us to be, and help us to be uh, what our family needs, our spouse needs. Uh, and so I pray that you'd bless, help our homes to be strong, uh, help us, Lord, to draw closer to you, and may you work in our lives, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.